This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Until you allow the truth of God's acceptance to overwhelm all your past insecurities, you will have great difficulty hearing the voice of God. If you're having a hard time hearing the voice of God, you have to ask yourself, what wrong ideas about God have you brought into your relationship with God? Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hey there, welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. In this series, Pastor Jeff is helping us talk to God, maybe for the first time in our life, or to reignite the habit. He's reading from 2 Peter chapter 1, also helping us recognize God's voice in our life. All episodes from this series are available online now. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you listen to your podcasts. Here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of the message. If you're having a hard time hearing the voice of God, you have to ask yourself, what wrong ideas about God have you brought into your relationship with God? Now, this is different than the first. The the first has to do with insecurities and environment and the way you look at authority. The second has to do with the way you actually see God. And this is so important because not everything that glitters is gold and not every teacher of God's word is purely motivated. Be careful of teachers and preachers who are more interested in making you laugh and are more entertaining than giving you something to hold on to that will sustain you throughout the course of your life. And so I've got my friend, Brett Mullen, that I've mentioned many times. And Brett was a championship golfer. He won the 1975 U.S. Junior junior Amateur. But as he got a little older, his father that taught him the game that was often his caddy passed away. And my friend Brett turned to alcoholism. And he was just about to the end of his life, ready to commit suicide when he says in his own words that he experienced a Jesus revelation, that God reached out to him and reminded him of his grace. After Brett had this salvation experience, he would go to many people who were also hurting or who had physical ailment or some kind of even psychological disease. And he would present to them the Jesus that he had met. And Brett walked around quite confidently and he would say to people, I know that God can and will heal you. There was great confidence in his visitations. And all that was going well until a few years later, my friend was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And he kept praying that God would heal him and the healing was not coming. And then I saw him go through phases. And with each phase, he told me the voice of God grew faint. Suddenly he started thinking, maybe I'm wrong about God. Maybe God can't be trusted. Maybe God is punishing me for sins that I committed years ago. Maybe I've been wrong about God all along. God has abandoned me, Jeff. I no longer feel God. I think I'm paying for past sins. Notice the relationship with God was severed because of a simple misconception. And the misconception of my friend, as much as I love him, and he would admit to this now, was that God always heals those he loves right here, right now. And that's just not true. I had a professor in seminary. We called him Moses because 
white beard. He just looked holy. You know, you want to take off your shoes when you came into his class because you're walking on holy ground. And everybody loved this man. He was gentle. He was peaceful. Never an unkind word. A pleasant smile. He just emulated Jesus. And then my last year, my professor's granddaughter was diagnosed with leukemia. And my professor went around campus saying, don't worry, God is going to heal her. I'm absolutely sure. And he said that week after week and month after month, and he began to sink lower and lower into despair because week and week went by and she was not healed. And then she passed away. And, and his demeanor totally changed. Didn't want to be around students. Didn't want to talk to anyone. Constant depression, which I can understand to a degree, having children, grandchildren of my own. But ultimately, he surprised us when he walked away from God. Listen, this is just one area of life where many Christ followers enter into a relationship with God who has been misunderstood. And those misconceptions about God often lead to disappointment, which leads to severing their relationship with God and catalyzes an inability to hear the voice of God. Listen, nothing closely, nothing silences the voice of God more than bad theology and unrealistic expectations. And unfortunately, each of us have learned unfortunate things through the course of our lives, and we projected those onto God. For some of us, our parents gave us everything so that we think God is a magic genie. So as long as God gives us what we want, we love him. But if we hit a difficult season in our lives, a difficult path, suddenly we believe God is not real and he doesn't love us because our parents gave us everything. What's wrong with God? Some of us look at God as like, as if he's a Conan the Destroyer. God is omnipotent and he wants to drop the hammer on all of us. And you understand the fear of God to mean that he can swoop down at any time and any moment and drop the hammer on you. You see God as an angry God just waiting on you to make a mistake. And if that's the God you see, you're never going to get close to him and you're definitely not going to hear his voice. God, you think, is like a warden who constantly watches you so that he can put you in the hole when you violate the rules. Others of you, you were raised with a father who was your pal, your best friend, but there was no authority. There was no requirement. There was no obedience. Your father thought that being a good father meant that he was just your buddy, your pal, and never required anything from you. So that's how you see God. God is just your friend, your pal, but there's no real reverence or true respect or obedience. And the reason you've lost your ability to feel or to hear from God is because you've lost your willingness to obey him. Some of you say, wait a minute, Pastor Jeff, you just told me that God's love for me is unconditional. I love that raisin in the sun story. Yes, but remember, your ability to feel and experience and hear the voice of God comes most powerfully when you obey a hard word. Why did we hear the voice of God speaking to Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom, with whom I'm well pleased, at his baptism? Jesus was not baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus' baptism was his agreement to the Father to go to the cross. He was dying to himself, being raised to a new person. Not a new person with Christ or deity or omniscience, just the fact that this was his inauguration. Yes, I received the role of Messiahship. I received the role of dying on the cross for the sins of the world. And at that moment is when he heard the voice of God and was probably closer to God than any other time, relatively speaking. 
So first, what prejudices and insecurities have we brought into our relationship with God? Two, what wrong ideas about God have we brought into our relationship with him? Now, here's the catch. Stay with me as we bring this home. How does one discover who God is? If I need to know who God is and these misconceptions have stifled uh, the, my ability to communicate or hear the voice of God, how can I discover who God is? And the answer is by listening to his voice. But Jeff, that's the problem. I don't hear his voice. I don't hear it. So you've put me in a kind of a catch-22. This, this seems like a circular argument. Yes, but at least now you're thinking about it and we can go to the third point. Three, what indisciplines have you brought into your relationship with Jesus? Now we get there. What indisciplines? It's not that God is not speaking to you. It's that you and I often move out of proximity to his voice. The problem with affluence is that far too many things come too easy to us. You think about what I just told you about artificial intelligence. Do you know artificial intelligence, if it, it's quite possible the day will come when none of us need to work because we'll be obsolete. And if we do that, first of all, we'll be really stupid. Think about it. If we're not researching, study, discipline, if we're not learning things, and we're just given and fed the information, then we're not going through the process of learning and the tension that creates. And then more importantly, the powers that be will able to completely control us. We'll be like sheep because what information they want us to hear, they'll feed to us. If you're not going through the process of learning and study and you're just being fed information and you're taking it all on board, then you're easily manipulated. Achieving anything worthwhile requires incredible discipline. Listen, preaching requires discipline. Hour upon hour of study and research and perfecting, leading requires discipline. Ask any great athlete or Olympian or anyone that's achieved a high level or degree of success and you will find someone who has incredible discipline. Michael Phelps is the example I always like to use because he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. 22 Olympic medals over three Olympics. His workout routine Six hours a day, six days a week, without fail, even if Christmas Day falls on a training day. He swims approximately 50 miles, 80 kilometers each week, which is over eight miles in the pool every day. That's remarkable. And in the same way an Olympian understands the disciplines that catalyze victory, a Christian understands the disciplines that open up the line of communication and makes the voice of God discernible and remarkable. But what is the language of God? How does God speak? What discipline opens those lines of communication? How can we hear him? Remember what we said earlier, we are emotional creatures. We need words. And somebody might say, yeah, Pastor Jeff, but actions speak louder than words. Yes, but with God, we need, word. we need words to explain his actions because they're quite difficult to fathom. Where do we find those words? Now, before... We unveil this. Isn't it true that in the midst of deep emotional trauma, that's the time we need to hear the voice of God most? When we've just been told we have a disease, when there's, we've suffered a loss, when there's confusion about life and the way our life's turning out. Do you remember the book, Where's Waldo? You remember how in the early pages, you could find Waldo so easy because he had the striped shirt and the big thick glasses. But as you move through the book, 
Waldo's harder and harder to find. And for a lot of people, God is theos abscontinus, the God who hides. We can't find him. And during the emotional times, that's when we need to hear the voice of God so that God can speak truth into our emotions so that we can drag our emotions by the scruff of the neck and lead them to what is true and what is real. So how do we do that? Okay, now it took us almost two thirds of the sermon to get here. I want to describe this wonderful text to you. Second Peter 1, 18 through 20 says this. Let's read it word for word here. This is Peter talking, but he's older now, okay? So he's, he's in the final phase of his life and here's what he writes. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, such a declaration as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And we ourselves heard this declaration made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have a prophetic word made more sure to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Now that's Second Peter 1.18. But the bigger question is, what is the context of this passage? He talks about the majesty on the mountain and they didn't follow devised, cleverly devised tales. They were eyewitnesses to this majestic glory. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about Matthew 17. In Matthew 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain of transfiguration. And something very special and unique happens there. And Moses and Elijah appear, representing the law and the prophets the way that God had spoken in the past. And then the Shekinah glory of God is unveiled as they began to see the deity, the omnipotence, the omniscience of Jesus Christ himself. And we don't know exactly, I mean, a bright light, the Shekinah glory, but it would have been overwhelming. It was so overwhelming, stay with me, to a young Peter, that young Peter saw what was going on and he said, man, we just need to stay here for the rest of our lives. Let's just make three tents and we'll just live here. And Jesus, you can do that cool thing every day. Why would we want to go back to the mundane when we're having this mountaintop experience when what we see is so amazing? Now that's young Peter. Old Peter says this. Let me read it to you again. He says, but now we have the prophetic word made more certain to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What's he saying? Peter's saying, my confidence is not placed in that mountain experience, the emotional experience of the momentary glow of the transfiguration. That's not where ultimately my confidence is. Originally, when you're young, Peter says, I'm looking for perpetual delight. I want mountaintop all the time. I don't want to return to monotony. But as Peter got older, he began to see his mountaintop experience and the feelings associated with it as secondary to the certainty of God's spoken and written word. Do you, do you hear that? Peter says, I'll tell you what I have more certain than that. That transfiguration thing, it was cool, but I'm still not sure what happened. 
It was mesmerizing, but to tell you the truth, mind-boggling. But I have something more certain than some experience, even though that was real. And that is the spoken and written word of God, the graphe, that which is written down, because it didn't come from any prophet and his own interpretation. It was given to him, passed down by God through the Holy Spirit to us. God's word is constant, it's eternal, and personally applied. And that's how joy becomes central. When the one you value the most is constantly speaking to you. Think about that. Think about the person you value the most. What if that person was with you all the time, always speaking words of encouragement? That's exactly what you have in Jesus Christ. And if you value him the most, because the spirit of God lives in you, you have the word and the spirit working together to communicate to you the words of God. That's why in John 1.1, John said, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. Listen carefully now. Jesus and the spoken word, written word, are inextricably tied together. A good way to look at it, we've never been able to do this, but a good way to look at this is if you take hydrocarbon and oxygen, you get what is called heat energy or combustion. So gasoline meets oxygen, explosion, combustion, energy. The same thing can be said when the word of God meets the Holy Spirit in you. Jesus in you, the word spoken meets the Holy Spirit. It's not combustion, it's transformation. There is a spiritual reaction that no one knows for sure how it happens, but it occurs when Jesus in you, the Holy Spirit, meets the word of God delivered to you. There's a type of spiritual combustion. So when somebody says, talk to me, God, come on. God says, open the word and listen to my voice. Let the two come together. You have the word of the Lord made more certain than any experience you could ever have. Emotions are real. Feelings are real. Experiences are real, but they're changing. The word of God remains forever. I met a lady out in the parking lot of our church a few weeks ago a great story. She said, Pastor Jeff, I don't know what's going on here. We must be having revival around this place because I've had my Bible on my coffee table at home for 20 years and I've never picked it up. Suddenly I felt this urge and passion to pick it up and start reading and I did. And I thought, wow, this is really good stuff. And then I started watching The Chosen to watch the life and times of Jesus and the disciples. And I just found myself, I can't wait to get home every night so that I can watch Chosen so that I can read my Bible. The truth of God this world and the enduring hope come alive when Jesus meets the word in your life. See, what I'm saying is that the word is able to kick your emotions to the curb. Sometimes you wake up ready. Sometimes you wake up with a cloud hanging over you. Sometimes you don't want to wake up at all. Sometimes you wake up cranky and hopeless, pessimistic. But other times you're ready to take on the world and we don't know what changed. We are emotional creatures, but God speaks the words that force your unhealthy moods to flee. Folks, do you know the power of this book? It's amazing what it has done throughout the centuries. While American institutions are disparaging the Bible, many public intellectuals all around the world, including post-Christian Europe, are recognizing that the Bible contains a deep well of psychological, practical, and spiritual wisdom that has positively shaped humanity. Atheism is dying. The new atheism is dying. 
because it's not working. And people, once again, are turning to the Bible. Do you know, again, the Bible is the best-selling, most published book of human history. It even dwarfs J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter books that have in print, I think, 500 million. Now compare that to the Bible, over five to seven billion in print. And mo you know, most of the world's Bibles today are printed, guess where? Would you have a guess? Where are most of the world's Bibles printed today? In an atheistic country, China, at the Amity Printing Company. They print 70 Bibles per minute, and in 2019, they celebrated their 200 millionth copy. My friend Justin Briley's written a book called The Surprising Rebirth of Belief in God. And he goes to the book and shows you how there's a renewed, renewed interest and confidence in the Old Testament, the story of how God uses people to convey his message to the world, the New Testament, where the story of redemption enters into humanity and where Christians today feel themselves to be part of that story that's ongoing until the hope and the reality of what is to come. The power of this book is amazing. Just quickly, Fyodor Dostoevsky considered the world's greatest, greatest novelist. As he lay dying in February, 1881, his daughter said that the last thing he asked for was the story of the prodigal son to be read to him. It was that story which changed his life in his 10-year prison term in Siberia. That's one example of many of where the Bible has enabled men and women to endure the worst of tragedies and come out on the other end victorious. And the reason is, is that somehow in the Bible, God speaks to us and all the hopes and dreams of mankind find their meaning, meeting place in its pages. J.T. Fisher said, for nearly 2,000 years, the Christian world has been holding in its hands the complete answer to its restless and fruitless yearnings. Here in the Bible rests the blueprint for successful human life with optimum mental health and contentment. Everything you're looking for is right here. Why? Because this is where you discover the truth that sustains you, makes joy central, and drags your emotions to what is real, healing the brokenhearted. Truth is discovered by listening to the voice of God. The voice of God is heard through the pages of Scripture. And my advice to you is, don't be left behind. Pick it up and read. Father, thank you for this weekend. Thank you for the truth of your word and the power that rests on it and in it and its ability to transform our lives. I pray that somehow through this series that this would be a time when we would once again be motivated to go to the objective word of God and allow it to teach us, to bring us to truth that will sustain us, that will give us a centralized joy and will remind us that God's kingdom will win in the end when it becomes a reality and all the desires of the human heart will be fulfilled as once again, your word has proven to be faithful and true. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. 
You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.